0: Okay, everyone. Welcome to Zion at Home. I trust that this message finds you at home safe. I hope it finds you well. I hope it finds you at peace. And look, today, my prayer is that you will be energized and refreshed as we look at God's word and we look at what it adds to our life. We're in the middle of a series at the moment called Connection. And today, this is message number two in the series. And I want to encourage you to jump back into the series uh, to get the first message if you haven't heard it yet. But first and foremost, I want to say to you that we're working from just one single verse in this short series. And that verse is found in Ephesians and chapter 4 and verse 16, which says this, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. This is the basis for our series, Connection. And each week of the series, we're going through one of the lines that you see in the verse there. So message number one, which I did a couple of weeks ago, was called, Our Connection Begins in Him was the foundational message, and you can catch it on YouTube, you can catch it on Facebook. Go back and find that message and look at the scriptures that we unpacked. But I just quickly want to refresh a couple of things, because the whole point of that message was that we would be found in Him, in Christ the essence of our life and faith, our our journey toward the kingdom of heaven being on earth and us ruling and reigning with Jesus for eternity is found as we rest in him. Our salvation is found in him. And I want to just highlight some of these benefits of living him. It's kind of like a sales pitch. Why would you want to live a life apart from Being in Him. Why would your friends? Why would your family? Why would your workmates? This is this is what I'm about to show you is what they're missing out on, and hopefully you get excited about it, and that you would be uh, drawing people into that life with Jesus, because when they live a life in Him, they have access to every blessing in Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians chapter one and verse three. You'll also see that when we are found in Christ, we live a life that is holy and blameless, not because we're perfect, but because Jesus. Righteousness becomes ours. And uh look, we don't want to unpack that today, but this is a benefit for you as you live your life in Christ. Ephesians chapter one and verse eleven says, Our inheritance is found in Christ. When we are in Christ, we have an inheritance that we share with Jesus. And that is basically God says, My kingdom is your kingdom to administer, which is fantastic. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says when we are in Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We learn in uh, other areas that this is a a first fruit. It's a taste of the glory that is to come in eternity, but it's glory for us now. We're sealed. uh, We're marked. We're endowed. We're blessed with the Holy Spirit as our friend and our guide. and, And I just hope that you are living a life in partnership with the Holy Spirit. These are the benefits we find in Christ, but wait, there's even more. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, we are seated in Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's Ephesians 2 verse 6. We seated in the courts of heaven, which means we have a place of authority. Nothing usurps the authority of Jesus, but we are alongside, and he says, my authority I now give to you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 says all of God's grace and kindness is demonstrated in us when we are in Christ. These are the benefits of living in Jesus. When we're found in Him, when we're connected in Him, His grace, His kindness is demonstrated through us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, says that we are God's workmanship in Christ, that he has called us as a magnificent masterpiece in order that we would have a function, a purpose, that our purpose is found in Jesus Christ. And finally, just to bring this review to a close, I just want to say to you in Ephesians 2 verse 13 that when we're found in Christ, we're near to God. What's our key for access to God? It's Jesus. So our first message in the series Connection, was called We Our Connection is Found in Him. We're connected together in Him. And, and so I encourage you to go back and, and find that. Message number two today, my title for this message is Our Connection Together. And the key word there is together. So this whole series is about how we choose to do life together. Our connection is the theme. And today, the point is that our connection is together. Let's look again at that verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. You'll see that it says, From him, or in Christ, the whole body, all of the believers, are joined and held together. That's this week's focus. And next week, Phil Brown is going to speak on every supporting ligament. But this week, message number two, joined and held together. What I wanted to show you, though, is just kind of like a, an offshoot or a benefit, and the advantage of reading different translations of the Bible is that it, it helps us with the layers of the meaning, because uh, one, our English language is really insufficient to fully describe uh, the original nuances in the, in the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, but... By reading the different translations and the way the, the official translators have brought together, the, the meaning we can find more benefit. So have a look at this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, when you look at it in the New Living Translation and you, you apply the parts of it as per the New IV, NIV, the New International Version uh, that we are basing the verse on, what I found is the benefit of us being joined and held together, which is captured in Ephesians 4 and verse 16, if you look at it in the New Living Translation, it's it's basically saying so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the punchline for today. A connection together is so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And uh, hopefully that makes more sense as we unpack these few words this morning as we look at the scriptures and then if you put in the context of the series i'm hoping that you see that my dream for the people of god zion people as we gather as church family that we would be healthy and growing and full of love let's pray lord i thank you for your holy scriptures that we are given as a gift by you also i thank you for the enlightenment that comes as we feed on your word, that it would bring life to us. And I pray today, wherever people are listening, that your Holy Spirit would enlighten them, that you would speak to them, and that they would find substance and strength in what you bring to them by your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together safely, wherever we are, whenever we're doing this, that we are still one uh, together, connected by you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So let's have a look at the beginning. Uh, at this phrase joined and held together and so I want to unpack it in two parts and that is quite simply that as you can see here that we are being joined together and we are being held together two thoughts we're being joined together and we're being held together and I want to unpack those for you now so to begin let's look at being joined together and what you can see on the screen there is the greek word that's used when paul writes that we're being joined together and he has this idea that i want to unpack by looking at the original language so this word here sunomologeo is the greek word and and i want to help you by showing you what i learned and what it means so have a look these are the three key points that would help us to unpack the definition so that in our English language, we can try and have an understanding of what the author is intending and what God wants for us as his people to be joined, fitted, and held together. So look here, it says, we are joined closely with that idea of coming together. It says we're properly interconnected and it says we fit together to efficiently and effectively function. So like, We could use the context of church family. We could talk about your family at home. We could talk about your birth family. We could talk about your work situation. It's not always perfect, is it? It doesn't always look like that. We're not always joined closely, constantly together. We're not always properly interconnected, and sometimes connections get broken or things get misunderstood. But this is Paul's goal here, that we would come together to be joined closely with, that we would persevere to be properly interconnected. And there's always a function that flows out of our connection. And I want you to understand that, that God doesn't do things just for no reason. He's looking to bring his statutes, his ordinances, his commands, his laws, and his truth through Scripture into our lives in order that our lives would be a fruit into the community. And so don't just take things as a law understand the fruit that God's looking for. And here we find it in the meaning of this word, being joined together. So we're to fit together to efficiently and effectively function. So I unpack all of those meanings, and this is what I get. I have this phrase here that says, God is fitly framing believers into a harmonious and synergistic whole. Let's have a look at this because I think it's really important that you understand and I understand that we've got a common understanding of what the scripture is meaning for Zion people, for us, for those of us that call each other family. Look at this. The first thing I want to highlight, it's really obvious that God is doing the work. You know, as a leader, sometimes I strive to, to help people to connect. Sometimes I, I try and you know, facilitate relationships, or I, I can see a, a calling or a function that needs to burst forth in someone's life. And, and I, I admit I'm guilty of uh, helping God to make that happen. And, and uh, for that, I repent uh, repeatedly. I'm a slow learner. But here it is quite clearly. God is saying God is doing the work. And so we just need to sometimes take our hands off the steering wheel And uh, how many of you know, if you drive with your hands off the steering wheel, it's scary. Uh, Ride a bike, no hands, scary. Uh, Doing life with your hands off the steering wheel is scary, but it's not unsafe, not in comparison to driving with your hands off the wheel. So please don't do that, but think about your life and say, God, I trust you. I'm taking my hands off the wheel, and I'm going to allow you to do the work. God is doing something in our midst. May we allow that. So God is doing it. Secondly, he's fitly framing. Now, purposeful words here that I've chosen. Um, I've got a couple of um, personal building projects on the go. So there's timber and construction and tradesmen, and uh, there's plans being uh, brought to fruition. And when I think of this phrase, fitly framing, I think about um, a framing and trust manufacturer. There's a a workshop just down here on Cambridge Road uh, for one supplier, there's another one in Cambridge that's being used uh, for a project. There's builders that frame things up on site. What they do is they take measurements and they take a plan and they measure things precisely and they cut things precisely and they fit them together. They frame something, they take a number of different components and they frame them together to build a, a structure. Well, that's what God's doing when he's fitly framing us. He's got a design, a plan. He's intentional. Uh, there's different components that he's, he's preparing and precisely shaping in order that they would fit together well. God is doing that work. He is fitly framing who? He's fitly framing the believers. See, God is intent on helping those who call him Lord to function together efficiently and effectively for the fruit of his kingdom. So it's us that need to allow God to do his work in us. Does that mean he's not working in the lives of unbelievers? No, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the function of our connection together. We need to understand that we're the target of God's work in this. And it's you, and it's me. Understand, I've said this several times, that to be a disciple of Jesus means to be disciplined by the Father. Discipline and disciple come from the same word. It means to be shaped in order to function more effectively and efficiently. So, believers, you and me. Now, look, these two words here, I had to think about these. And uh, the best uh, thing I could say with regards to being harmonious is obviously music. If you'd heard, if you've heard a vocal group sing, And their voices bring a harmony of voices meaning that there's multiple parts not identical but that work together in harmony it's a beautiful picture of how we are being shaped by god to function together not one of us needs to be the same but we need to be in harmony with each other so in music uh, that would mean voices having different pitches And also possibly, uh, whilst they're not the same note, they might be in the same key, they might not even be, but they're designed to go together to make a sound. That's the picture that I have. So we don't all have to conform to be the same. Heaven forbid there would be more than one of me running around, or one of you running around, but we're harmonious. We come together and the, the, the combination of our sound is beautiful. Secondly, when you think about music, and synergy, is about the tempo and operating together. How many of you know if you've ever been to a, a production of a performance of a kindergarten, not to be disrespectful of the young ones, but they don't always get the timing right and they don't always get the pitch right. They're not in synergy. And that's just a function of their maturity. And God bless them for for their effort and their energy and, and pleasing and performing for, for their loved ones, their family. But I think about... a. A professional music group or an orchestra or a choir not only are they harmonious they're they're doing their piece at the right pitch and the right key and, and the right notes but they're in synergy they're working together they're flowing and so we've got to understand that god is doing a work to shape us to come together in order that we would sound good together and that we would operate in the same tempo and finally the last word is obviously that we would do this as a whole mean the sum of the parts is greater than the individuals together. No, no, we want to come together, that we are one. In him, we are connected in him together. Look, if Jesus is in you and Jesus is in me, and we're both in him, that means we're connected. So we need to understand that God is doing a work in all of us for the sum of all of us. And that's what it means to be joined together. The second phrase that it says here is being held together. And there's a Greek word here, sumbibadzo. I don't even think I said that right, but zumbibadzo. And this word here has meaning. Look at this, it means, it means to be knit together. So think about a crochet or a knitting pattern where, where things are woven together or a, or a mat of flax that comes together, it's woven together. But there's another meaning, look at the screen, it says a, a conclusion to prove. It means that the construction or the, the fabric that's made is evidence of something. It proves that something is true. And finally, the third meaning of this Greek word is teach or instruct it from a meaning of words to bring instruction and shape and disciple, which you can see the context of the previous word that we just looked at. So if we're knit together, we're bound, but we've got something to prove, then there's a phrase here that I really want you to understand. One whole compacted together in one's mind, united in conclusion and then demonstrated in application, this is what it means to be held together. So let's have a look at this once again. We're one whole coming together. This is not about individuals going on their own journey independent of one another, but we are individuals going on a journey and we're interdependent on each other. That means we need each other, we can't function without each other. And there's plenty of teaching that Paul writes in, in the letter to the church in Rome and First Corinthians that we can't function independent, we are a body each part needing each other to function in what they're designed to do. But here's the other thing I I just love about this definition is it says, in one's mind. We've got to come to a place where we're in one accord of one mind and one heart, that we're convinced that we have the truth that God's given us in this season. It's evidenced by his word. It's evidenced by his spirit. And there's a coming together in agreement. We go, yep, we're of one mind. We're in one mind, we're of one accord, and, and there's and and you know if you do a search in the New Testament, even just the beginning of Acts, the book of Acts, they were in one accord in prayer. They were in one accord in prayer, and the Holy Spirit fell, and the building shook. They were in one accord in prayer, and God gave gifts to many. So one mind means to come together. And here's the thing, united in conclusion. United in conclusion means that we have come to a resolution and a conviction. And it's unshakable. Yeah, that's my prayer for us, is that we wouldn't be like reeds wafting in the winds, not sure, checking social media to validate what we believe, or uh, listening to people that are not uh, really in tune with God. I mean, it's dangerous. Here, we've got a mind that um, we come together to find that conviction. That's not just, thus saith the pastor, thus saith the Lord. We don't operate like that here. We do look for leadership. We do look for clarity in what God's saying, but we look for agreement, harmony, and synergy by the Spirit of God, and we come to a shared conviction of one mind. We're united in the conclusion that we make. And this idea that we would be held together like a fabric, that we would be we're brought together to conclusion to make proof of something, and then, of course... We're judged by our fruit, so that our conviction is demonstrated in action. What good is it to have faith, says James, if you have no substance and demonstrated action behind your faith? Because faith without works, he says, is dead. It's useless. So this idea that we're held together, we're in midst together, and we know God's doing that work, we're we're of one mind and conviction to come to a conclusion to prove something, and obviously we're proving what God says and that we demonstrate that by our action. These are the things, and this is what it means to be joined and held together. My idea here is that we would have a conviction that there's a reason why we come together. So if we're joined and held together, then you can see the summary on the screen. We're being convinced by God's Spirit of being in one mind. We're united in our thought and conviction. We're set about on our mission for a definite purpose. We're not, we're not scattergun, we're not like a shotgun fired in the sky and hope we, we hit something. No, 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 we're definite in purpose. We're united, we're unified, we're moving, we're, 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 we've got momentum together. Definite purpose. And, and you can see there also it says we're united in heart and mind and strength that all of us carries the conviction that God has given us. We, we think it in our mind, we believe it in our heart, and we carry it out with our strength or our gifts or our, our resources. We put our weight behind it to make sure that uh, we contribute to the mission. And finally, it's evidence in action. Let us not be a church that says, hey, this is what we believe, and then don't do anything about it. Like, that's not right. So, so what does this mean for us? Let's, let's, let's try and land this for you to have something to really think about uh, as you as you contemplate God's Word. I, I, when I think of a message and I think of uh, unpacking the Bible, I also like to ask the question, well, so what? What does this mean? Why are we thinking or talking about this? And uh, this becomes the application. And, and so to do this, I, I was led to, to the high priestly prayer of John chapter 17 where Jesus in the garden is praying for her, um, himself, he's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for you and me. And I mentioned this briefly in the first message when you listen to that uh, connection begins in Him, You can hear the heart of Jesus. And I want to come back to it because it's vital for us. Let me read this. John chapter 17 from verse 20 to 23. Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. He's praying for you that they all may be one, as you, Father, in me, I in you, that they are also one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Well, that's exciting. And that in the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Christ has endowed a spirit of God that brings the glory of God that unites us, that we may be united together. Verse 23, I in them, You in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Couple of thoughts out of this, guys. For what does this mean in our lives? That this verse 23 here Christ is saying that we would be united, that we would be in Him, that they may be made perfect. We've got to. We've got to yield ourselves to the work of God. We've got to allow him to do the shaping. We've got to allow him to do the knitting. We've got to allow him to do the discipling in order that we would be made perfect and one. Honest truth, I can't be perfect without you. I'm not an island. I'm not designed to be a lone marker stone. I'm designed to be part of something bigger. I need you. And, and what we all need to understand is we need each other. It's vital that we have each other in this place, made perfect in one. But here's the second part, that the world may know you sent me. See, we become the message, our unity, our conviction, our shared proclamation of the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and its love and power and grace for all. is evidence, it's the message that God sent his son Jesus into the world, your life is his message our life together our journey our testimony of the power of jesus is the message let us not become a closed book let us not become a a fable let us become truth and reality let us be open before people that they would see our lives and see our good works and glorify our father in heaven but may also our lives be evidence that god has loved me jesus as he has loved them God loves all, and he desires that they would come into a place of fellowship with him. What does that mean? Our lives matter. Our journey matters. Our story matters. But there's a fruit that needs to come from this. And so so being joined and held together, what what does that look like? Um, I I was thinking about, well, how can I find a story in history where people came together in one accord, and they were convinced that God had spoken, and they were um, compelled by the truth and the revelation that God was moving amongst them, that they had to lay down their lives for something. And, uh, and then God just brought me back home, here, to Zion. You know, there's many examples in our history from Rosetown Community Church in 1985, right through till now. But then God said, no, oh, look, look, look recently. There was a couple of people that were in our church that were working in the community and the schools with the young people. And they were seeing anxiety and fear in young people that were, were just being wrecked by the environment and the, the influence and the oppression that was coming upon them, it was affecting their lives. These are kids as young as seven and eight and nine, having fear and anxiety, panic attacks, um, being bound up with uh, insecurity and lies and condemnation. and. They said, we need to do something about that. We need to offer a solution that brings them closer to the reality of who God made them to be. And a couple of them came together under the conviction that God had compelled them with a good idea, a revelation, that they needed to back up their faith with action. And so they set about designing a, a counseling in schools program. And they came to me, and I have to admit, I'm like, man, this is a like hard work. It sounds expensive. It sounds like a lot of effort and... And, and they, their faith convinced me that God was doing something. And I was like, okay, let's get behind this. And we prayed and we believed that God was going to open doors. And, and he did. We had some money that we could use for funding. So we tested a pilot in the community. And the, the feedback from the children and their father was, was exceptional that the kids were being given tools to cope with life. And, and, and as a result, their family life was improved. Their behavior in the classroom was improved. Therefore, their education was improved. And so we set about to thinking, how can we, how can we roll this out further? And, and, and we got some obstacles. We had all our funding withdrawn. And I'm scratching my head going, Lord, man, this is hard work. But the conviction in the team was that it was a thing that God had us to do. And, and my, my honest truth is that I got to the end of the year uh, last year and we had, we had no money uh, to fund it. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, it's done. Uh, obviously, your hand's not on this. Uh, I can't make this work. Uh, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going I'm to cancel next year. A team of counsellors, I need to let them know. We've got uh, schools hanging out for, for uh, help with their tamariki, their children. Uh, but before I could make the phone call, I received an email that confirmed provision and opened doors to widen the influence. You see, what the schools now understand, the principles of the schools that we work with, they understand that the church cares about the community, that the church is willing to roll up their sleeves and become an answer to a problem and a pathway for a solution. And I'm excited about that. We had a recent conversation with one specific principal, and she said to me, I just, I said to my staff, she's, she's testifying to her whole staff team. She says, I, I don't know why or how, but this, this church cares about our people, and I respect that. You know, that, that's an opening. There's relationship, establishing trust, because we've put our effort behind our belief. And I have a conviction that God is building this relationship to build open doors into the community where the church will have influence to help shape society in line with the kingdom of God. We will have a moment where we can tell them why we love them. Because Jesus first loved us. Jesus first loved them. And he desires that through our testimony, they would also become aware of that love and respond to it. That's the message of the gospel. Just even last week, we had a powerful encounter with uh, some of the people that are working in the community and they came to me and they said, hey, um, the kids, we're able to help the kids, but to be honest, the, the teachers are really struggling. Not just do they have the pressure of education and managing lockdown and digital classrooms and um, uh, behaviour problems in the class and, 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 and anxiety and, and all sorts of other things, but they've got their own journey. How do we help them? So we sat down and we we dreamed with God about how we could support the teachers in our region. There's over 300 teachers that we could help. Why? Because Jesus came that they would find a pathway to the Father's love. And the way they find that is through relationship with us. So how do we build relationship? How do we build trust? We take his love to them. First and foremost... We meet a need that they've got we establish a relationship with them and and help them in the pain that they're suffering and then through that relationship we have a responsibility to then introduce them to the one who is love which motivates us in love to care for them friends family when we're in connection together and we function efficiently and effectively we understand that our lives are a message to prove the gospel is true and point people to Jesus. That's my compelling message for you, that you would allow God to do his work to knit us together in order that we together would become the message. And I pray that God richly blesses you this week as you are um, journeying life wherever you are. Some of you, if you're watching this uh recently, then you'll be in lockdown, like uh, in New Zealand. If you're watching this overseas, you may also still be in lockdown. Uh, If you're watching this later in time, you may not be in lockdown, but wherever you are, may the peace of God transcend your heart and mind, that you would know his perfect peace, that guards your heart, that leads you back to the Father, in order that in Jesus, you would find the peace of God and the love of God that strengthens you. May God richly bless you. If there's anything we can do, Just sing out, ping us a message via Zion People on Facebook and we'd be happy to help. God bless you all. Amen.